This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. James chapter 4 is where we're at uh, tonight. If you have the Hui Call app, you'll have access to the notes for tonight's message. Or just grab a sheet of paper and jot some thoughts down uh, on a sheet of paper tonight if you would. Many times um, the things that I preach from the pulpit are corrective. Uh, For example, when I challenge you to hate your sin, uh, to be very uncomfortable with the sin of your life and to put it to death and repent, that's corrective. Um, You have sin in your life, I know that you do. We get comfortable with it. I know that you do because I know that I do. We need to correct that and fix it. Tonight's message is not so much a corrective message as much as it is a, uh, 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 let me see, let me find the right word for it, Uh, preventative maintenance, preventive maintenance, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, Tonight's more of a preventative message as opposed to a corrective message. Nothing's gone wrong in our church to cause me to preach a message like this. It's just where we fall in the text. But also at the same time, I want to say, I want our church to guard against what we see in the text to ensure that it never takes place on our watch here at Who We Call a Baptist Church. So uh, tonight's message, uh, now if tonight's message uh, hits you square in the gut and it hurts, uh, that's the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I don't know of any problems like this in our church. And if there is, I I highly encourage us to fix it tonight. Uh, But tonight's message is really more of a preventative maintenance for us uh, more than anything else. James chapter 4, uh, we're going to start in verse number, um, let's back up to verse number 7 just so that we get the context of it. We're really going to spend our time in verses uh, uh, 11 and 12 tonight. James chapter 4, verse uh, number 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest one another? You take a look at that phrase at the beginning of verse number 11, speak not evil. Uh, that could be translated, the, the Greek word that's used in that particular passage could be translated to the English word for slander. When we talk about slander, the uh, Webster's Dictionary of uh, definition of slander is a false tale, a report maliciously uttered, intending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizens, by exposing him to impeachment and punishment, or by impairing his means of living. Basically, this uh, slander is this. I'm telling lies about someone in, in an effort to hurt them or to damage them or damage their reputation in some way. So that, that phrase, speak not evil, literally means don't slander or lie about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, again, if you notice, the, the, again, anytime you read the Bible, you have to read in context. Who is this written to? It's written to Christians. Is this passage talking about saying uh, ugly, evil, unkind things about unbelievers? No, it's talking about brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is talking about in the church. This is talking about amongst other Christians. Don't lie and say ugly things about people in an effort to hurt them in your own church family. But I think this could definitely be expanded, and I don't think this is too much of a reach to expand this speaking evil of, to speak of gossip as well. Gossip is a little bit different than slander because gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. So gossip could be uh, just casual talking about other people. Uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Uh, but it, this is just casual. Uh, I like the, the um, definition here, unconstrained. I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying. I'm just kind of talking. Oh, did you hear so-and-so's having problems in their marriage? It's like, oh, yeah, they had problems in their last marriage, too. Did you know that? That's gossip. 
That's just us talking. Now, may be true, may not be true. That doesn't determine whether or not it's gossip, okay? Slander, on the other, ter- other hand, is lies that we tell about other people in an effort to hurt them. Uh, gossip is just hurtful, maybe even sometimes with the truth. And sometimes people say, well, is it really gossip if it's true? Uh, absolutely. If you're not part of this, the solution, then you're part of the problem. And so, uh, again, gossip is talking about things that we have no uh, direct relation to, things that don't apply to us, uh, and are definitely hurtful and damaging. So it's important to understand from the beginning when we talk about gossip versus slander. Gossip is sinful and damaging, but slander is gossip with a more nefarious motive. Gossip is awful. Gossip is terrible. Slander is next level because I'm going to to purposely tell lies about someone in an effort to hurt them in one way or another. And so one is bad. The other one is absolutely atrocious. But let me just tell you here, when it comes to gossip, gossip has no place in Jesus' church. Yeah, three people agreed with that statement. Here's the thing. Very few times has doctrine, the desire for strong Bible doctrine, very few times has that split churches. Very few times uh, has uh, Bible interpretation or Bible versions split churches. Tens of thousands of times, gossip has split churches. I don't like you, you don't like me, we're going to go opposite sides because I don't like you, and I heard you said this about me, and you said we're talking that about my kids. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No place, no how. And let me just go so far as to say this, at Huicala, as long as this guy here is the pastor, there will be zero zip zilch disunity in this body. If you've got a problem with somebody, we're going to fix it, or you can find a different place to go to church. Those are your two options. That's how much Christ values unity in his body. Sometime, one time someone came to our church and they didn't really grasp that concept. They'd been in an unhealthy church before. And they said, you know how like sometimes you go to church with people but you just don't like them? No, I don't know that. Well, you know. No, I don't. Please explain that to me. Well, it's people that are they're Christians but you just don't like them. You put up with them. I don't know anything about that, and let me just tell you this, I'll never know anything about that in this church family here. Now, do you have to hang out with everybody on the weekends and invite everybody to your birthday party and, and, and you know, send everybody flowers on their anniversary? No. But there's not going to be anybody who doesn't get along with someone or doesn't want to sit by someone or, or walks past other people at our greeting time and doesn't speak. Never going to happen on, on my watch. Because one of the parts of family, now, again, you might be sitting here scratching your head going, well, well, like, what happens if we have problems with other people, right? I'm glad you asked that. Because when we have problems, we deal with them head on. They don't fester underneath the surface. We don't take passive aggressive, uh, you know, attitudes towards people. We don't pretend to like people, but then in private, trash them. Absolutely not. No, no way, no how. Problems get dealt with head on. If you want to know how to do that, Matthew chapter 18 tells us how to do it. You got a problem with somebody, you go to them like a grown-up, and you sit down and you talk about your problems. If that doesn't work, you grab a couple of other people with you to go with you so that we can find a solution together. If that doesn't work, then you tell it to the church. That's how we resolve our problems. We don't resolve our problems by you sit on that side and I'll sit over on this side. You go to the 8 o'clock service, I'll go to the 10 o'clock service. You can stay in that small group. I'll go to a different small group. That's not resolving any problems. That's just moving our problems around. And those problems get magnified. They get exacerbated by things like gossip. Hey, look, if I've got a problem with Jordan, you know who I talk to about my problem with Jordan? Somebody help me. Jordan. Jordan. (laughs) Pretty easy. I don't go to Tim and say, hey, Tim, man, Jordan said this the other day, and it really got, got on my nerves. And then Tim says, yeah, you know what? Jordan was doing that the other day with Bert. What? Yeah, let's me and Tim and Bert get together and talk about our problem with Jordan now. Guess what? I was just taking a really, really small problem that could have been dealt with in about five minutes, and I've roped three other people involved, and now all three of us are involved in 
you, you thought I was going to say gossip, but I'm going to tell you we're involved in sin now. I've roped other people into sinful behavior in the body of Christ. And now guess what? Maybe the biggest problem that the body of Christ isn't the problem that I have with Jordan. Now maybe the bigger problem is the fact that I've got gossip taking place in our church. And let me just help you with this because I want to help you to be a mature Christian. When you hear gossip taking place, mature Christians shut it down. Oh, can you believe you said that Jordan said this to me the other day? Hey, let's get Jordan on the phone and ask him why he said that. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk to Jordan about it. Then you need to, to shut it because Jordan's my brother in Christ. You can talk with Jordan about that. We can do that together if you want to. Hey, if you're not man enough to call Jordan, I'll call Jordan with you. But we're not going to talk trash about Jordan. That's my brother you're talking about. We shut it down. And, and let me just let me just say this. Sometimes people, carnal Christians, they're testing the waters with you to find out what they can get away with. Oh, can you believe Jordan said that about me? Oh, yeah, I can. You know, uh, of course, that's the kind of type of guy that Jordan is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Well, Jordan always hangs out with, you know, Cletus. Yeah, Cletus does that too. Oh, yeah. Jordan and Cletus, those two are just like peas in a pod, right? Yeah. Can you think of anybody else in our church that does stuff like that? And maybe they're just kind of testing to see how far you're willing to go. Be the type of Christian that shuts that stuff down immediately. Because I'm going to help you with something tonight here. If someone is willing to trash their brother or sister in Christ behind their back, please don't think they won't do the exact same thing to you. Because that person has proven that they have no character. So again, you say you're, you're being kind of harsh tonight. I want you to understand that gossip rips churches apart. Gosh, gossip pushes people away from Christ. Gossip ruins marriages. Gossip ruins friendships. And gossip has no place in Jesus' church whatsoever. Slander is like next level. You're going to talk trash about somebody behind their back, and you're going to make up things to go along with that to make yourself look better. Now not only are you a gossip, you're a liar, you're arrogant, you're puffed up with pride. This is like next level. And let me just tell you this. I've seen slander take place in our church before once. And I sat down across with a couple that was involved in it and I said, you either repent or I'll show you the door. Those are your two options. You said, well, you can't do that. Read the Bible. I have every right to do that. Read the Bible. I'm the shepherd of this church. It's my responsibility to protect you and protect this church from wolves that would do us harm. 100% I have the right to do that. And uh, they said, well, we're going to pray about that. Yeah, you should. And let me just tell you this. Anytime you, you confront someone with their sin and you give them the opportunity to repent and their uh, response is, I need to pray about repentance, something's not right in their heart somewhere. And you know what the decision they, made, they came to? I think it's probably best that we find a different church. Good. And, I, and let me just tell you this. I did not say God bless you when they left. Because you're leaving here in sin. You said things about people in our church that are not true. You refuse to repent. You refuse to make things right. You've told lies about people in our church. Uh, this particular couple that I have in mind had told lies about me. Uh-uh. And here's the thing. You can say what you want about me. I don't, it's not a pride thing with me, like, a, like oh, I need you to, to like me, or I need you to think that I'm the best pastor in the world. No, no, no. You just can't tell lies about my character. And you're not going to tell lies about anybody else in this church's character either. Uh, again, know this. If you attend who we call a Baptist church and I am your pastor, I have your back. Somebody says something about you, I am your fiercest defender. Because if you're walking with Jesus and you truly want to do the right thing, I'm with you, I've got your back, and I hope, I hope I could consider you a friend and a brother in Christ, that if someone maligns my character, that you would say, hey, hey, hey hold up, don't talk about my pastor that way. I hope we would be able to do that because that's what family does for one another. A person's dignity 
Character and reputation are one of the most prized worldly possessions. Slander and gossip seek to destroy that. It's funny because as I get older, and I'm not even that old yet, okay? I'm 45 years old. I'm not even that old. Somebody should say amen. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Next time, do it unprompted, okay? But nevertheless, I'm not really all that old. But I find myself, okay, you can stop now. Uh, but I find myself in society today saying I'm a little bit more old school, you know? In the fact that I don't, I don't value my social media platform. I don't really have one. Uh, I don't really value how many followers I have in social media. I don't even know what that number would be. According to other people's standards, it would probably be incredibly low because I don't put any value in that. I value my family. I value God. I value His Word. But I value my character, my testimony, and my name. My dad always taught me as a kid growing up, you're only as good as your name. My dad has been an entrepreneurial uh, type of dude my whole life. He's always been self-employed, always trying to find different ways to, to do things and dabble in different stuff. My dad's not really big on contracts and promissory notes and things like that. My dad's big on, anybody want to take a guess? Handshakes, right? I want to look a man in the eye and shake his hand and know. You'll know. You shake a, a man's hand and look him in the eyes, you'll know. You don't get to, got to sign no contract. You'll know. That's why I won't say who it was, but I was over here at handshaking time, and I, sh I shook somebody's hand. I was like, sorry, my hand's wet. It was like, it was like shaking hands with a wet fish. It was like, and, and I think it squished a little bit when I shook their hand. Thankfully, I'll just say this. Thankfully, it wasn't another man, okay? Because men shouldn't shake hands like that. If your hand feels like a wet fish, man, you should just say, I'm sorry, I'm not shaking hands tonight. Um, <laughs> like, do a knuckle bump, okay? I would, I would give you respect if you can just, like, hit me hard. But if you have, like, a wet fish hand, like, you can learn a man's handshake. That's not in the Bible anywhere. It's just something I thought would be helpful, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. My testimony matters. The fact that I love Jesus, I love my wife, I love my children, I love Jesus' church, those things matter to me. Those things matter to me more than material possessions because here's the thing, I could lose everything that I have to my name material-wise and the only thing that I have left is my name, my character, my integrity. My dad brought me up that the name King means something. And it means that you do right. It means you put in a hard day's work. It means that when things get difficult, you continue to push on. That's what being a king means. And my name means something. Not because my dad put that in me, because the Bible says that a good name is to be chosen over great riches. It's always funny to me when people like have their first baby and they think like, oh, I want to give my kid some really unique name, you know. I'm going to give my kid a really strong name because the Bible says a good name is chosen over great riches, so I'm going to name my kid Cody. Okay. When I think of like strong, manly names, you know, like Cody doesn't make the top of the list. Hey, I got no problem with the name Cody, but please understand when the Bible says choosing a good name over great riches doesn't mean choosing a name like Cody. It means that you have a name that carries weight based on your character. And let me just tell you this. You can't buy that. You can't buy a good name. Once you ruin your name, you don't get to fix it. That's why one of the things that grieves me is pastors who have disqualified themselves from pastoral ministry who decide to later go back into pastoral ministry against the urging of the Apostle Paul himself and the Word of God, choose to go back into ministry and start a church like Second Chance Churches where even the pastor's blown it and we just rely on the grace of God. Every time you Google that guy's name, guess what's going to come up? Disgraced pastor who in 2013 had an affair with his church secretary starts new church with second wife. 
Always. You know why? Because you can't make that go away. Your character will forever follow you the rest of your life, whether that be good or whether that be bad. Okay? So James is saying, if someone's going to blow up their life and ruin their testimony, let them do that themselves. Don't you go and attack their testimony and character. Because when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, the only thing that we have is our reputation, our character, our standing before God, our testimony. And look, if you want to accuse me of doing something that I have not done, you're messing with one of the few things that I can't ever get back. That's why, again, things like the uh, accusations of things like sexual assault and child molestation, even if those things are proven as false, those accusations stick years later. You might not be convicted, but you can say, accused child molester, you know, Joe, wow, that, that's heavy. So, again, for me, I'm never alone with children, ever, that aren't mine. I'm never alone with a person of the opposite sex, ever, under any circumstances, whatsoever. Because, like, even accusations that are not true can't be placed on my name. I, again, because I value my name, I value my testimony as a Christ follower, Slander against a person's name is so damaging. Even our society recognizes that defamation of character, it's a crime. To lie against someone in such a way to defame their character can be civilly prosecuted in a court of law. Even our society knows that you can't just attack people's names for no reason. So again, this place, this, this idea of slander, telling lies against people to hurt their reputation, should never, ever, ever take place amongst people who call themselves Christians. The idea of gossip, talking about other people behind their back and talking about business that doesn't involve you, should never take place amongst people who call themselves Christians. Family names and reputations are so highly valued in some cultures around the world that if you shame your family name, you could either be ostracized. Hey, you're no longer one of us anymore. We take our name off of you because you've embarrassed us to such a great degree. There's a man in our church early on in our church years who had uh, committed a crime and was going to go to prison for it. He came from a, a Japanese family. And they told him, you should go out and kill yourself before you go to prison because you're going to shame our family. And, it, and he came to me and said, Pastor, what do I do? <laughs> well, you're not going to kill yourself. That's a fact. Well, my parents said that they would rather me be dead than to embarrass their family. Oh, talk about heavy. That's heavy. Now, again, we would say that that is 100% sinful, wrong, 100%, and then God can restore anything. But again, there's cultures that aren't Christian who say our name is so important to us that no one will encroach on that. Slander and gossip ruins relationships. If you have the notes available on the app or if you printed those out, there's a ton of verses in here. I'm just going to read a few of them. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Proverbs 17, 9 says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separate very friends. One of the problems about people who gossip or people who tell lies about other people is they're looking for relationships that they can ruin. Why do people do that? I'm not really sure. Sometimes people who don't have friends don't like other people having friends. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's envy. And you might say, well, I'm not around people like that. Make sure that you never are. And again, if somebody comes to you with gossip, you should ask yourself the question, why would they feel comfortable gossiping with me? 
Am I the type of Christian that comes off like I would tolerate that kind of garbage in my house? Do I come across as the type of Christian who wouldn't throw the flag on something like that and say, hey, you need to knock that stuff off. But gossip and slander tear relationships apart. And again, the local church is built on relationships. That's what this is. This is a family. Christ is our head. God is our father. Christ is our brother. Christ is the head of the church. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a body together. We are all about relationships. When you begin to destroy relationships, you destroy the fabric of the local church. Again, that's why, oh, I I went to church online today. You didn't go to church online. You might have watched a church service. You might have watched other people participating in corporate worship. You might have even heard a really good preaching message. But you did not attend church online. And again, for me, I've been trying to wrap my head around how we put together for our church, uh, how do we expand our reach of a social media platform and things like that, and study what other churches do, and other churches have things like online pastors, where this pastor uh, shepherds the online congregation, and it's like, how do you quantify an online congregation? You know, if I see that, like, Smokey Joe 69 logged on from, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, how do we shepherd Smokey Joe 69? I don't know. And do we need a pastor to shepherd him? I'm not really sure, but I know that Smokey Joe 69 didn't show up at church this morning. I know Smokey Joe 69 isn't working in children's ministry next weekend. Smokey Joe 69 ain't saying howdy to folks when they walk into church service tonight. So did he really, is he really part of our church? I, I don't think so. You know why? Because local church ministry requires relationships. Slander and gossip attack relationships. That's why it ruins churches. Slander and gossip hurt other people. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. If the job of the church is to help heal people, slander and gossip do the opposite of that. They actually hurt. I, I read a... a um, it was a book or a study that I read several years ago that talked about hand washing in operating rooms in, in hospitals in America. And they found that an alarming number of people were dying as a result of secondary infections when they would go in for surgery. And they found that simple, simple things like hand washing procedures in place that before you do X, you have to wash your hands. Uh, the, the process they go through of gloves, and well, if you touch this, you had to change your gloves and had to wash your hands first and all this other stuff. That the processes that they went through basically caused patient mortality to drop. That means more people stayed alive after surgery as a result of simply washing hands. And what they found was that the process of care that they went through of cleaning themselves first help people stay alive longer. And you look at that, I read that and I thought to myself, were there doctors before that weren't washing their hands? Like, my mom told me that before I could set the table for dinner. And you got doctors that are not doing this? But then you realize, wait a minute, the local church's job is to help people live, right? But sometimes we tolerate things in the church that hurt people, that harm people, that damage people, that not, don't draw people to Christ, but push them away from Christ. And I'm here to say tonight, we don't tolerate that stuff here at all. Because that hurts people. That's the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish as the church. Slander and gossip not only hurt people, according to the Bible, it destroys people. It's one thing to get hurt because sometimes we can overcome our hurt. If we're able to walk in grace, we get our strength from the Lord, we can overcome hurt. But the Bible says that slander and gossip destroys people. Proverbs eleven nine: a hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the just shall be delivered. Isaiah 32, 7, the instruments... Also, the churl or evil, he devises wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaketh right. And again, we look at this and say, hey, this could completely 
gut people. I mean, to the point where, again, we're trying to draw people near to Christ, but this only pushes them further and further away. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to grown adults who have said, yeah, I don't really do church anymore because of the hypocrites that are there. I've been hurt, I've been burned, and I don't want anything to do with God or his people. Sorry to hear that. That's the opposite of what we're trying to do. But slander and gossip do precisely that. Slander and gossip stir up contention and spread strife. Proverbs 26, 20, where there's no wood, the fire goeth out. So where there's no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Hey, let me just help you with something tonight. If you're not so courageous yet that you can shut down gossip, at least keep your mouth shut. Anybody can do that. Where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Oh, can you believe that Jordan did that? I can't believe it. I know him to be a stand-up dude. I've never had a problem with him in my life. Yeah, I know, but like, did I tell you what happened? Yeah, you did. Can you believe that? I don't believe that. Okay. Guess we're not going to talk about Jordan tonight. No, we're not. And so if you can't say, hey, knock it off, shut it down, you should at least have enough courage, I guess you could say, to at least keep your mouth shut because pride destroys Try stirs up strife and contention. And hey, look, we're trying as the church that Jesus started to bring strife and contention down. God's not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. It's our job to have a peaceful environment where like, hey, isn't it crazy that all of us come from such different backgrounds and upbringings and, and cultural backgrounds and cultural differences? Yet we come here in this one place and we can operate as a family who loves one another, prays for one another. There's no, no judgment here. We're just like family. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. And it's only made possible by Jesus Christ. And we've got to protect that. And anything that would come to harm that either has to be stopped dead in its tracks or it has to be put out from us because it can't function here. Proverbs 6, 19, a false witness speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Next, we see that the Bible tells us what we say comes from our heart. And so if we want to change what we say, we have to change our heart. If you're a gossip, we can't just tell you like, oh, you probably shouldn't gossip. I need to tell you, gossip is a sin you're accountable to God for that and you need to repent of it. And you need to fix your heart. It's not enough to just say, oh, you probably shouldn't gossip because it's really bad. No, you need to see it for what it is. Jesus himself says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you want to talk trash about Jordan? What did he ever do to you? Do you have a problem with him that we should all sit down with and, and deal with? And let me just tell you this, if, if you don't have the courage to shut it down, would you at least love our church enough to do this? Come tell your pastor. Well, I don't want to be a tattletale. Then you're complicit in sin running rampant in Jesus' church. It's always, I won't say funny because it's not funny. It's always interesting to people when pe people come to me and say, well, pastor, I just thought you would want to know that there's some people in the church that Got XYZ going on now. I don't want to say who it is, but I just wanted to let you know. You're not letting me know anything. That's not actionable intel. Like, that doesn't help me at all. Somebody out there is doing something that could be considered a little bit shady. So be on the lookout for it. Well, what section of the room do they sit in? Well, they don't sit on the back row. Okay, well, that doesn't help me at all, right? Like, if you love Jesus' church, say, hey, Cletus and Helga, I saw them at the movies the other night, and they weren't with their spouses. That, I, can, I can work with that. That helps me. Well, I don't want to gossip. It's not gossip if you're looking for a solution with people who can be involved in the solution. That's not gossip. 
You want to tell everybody in your, your small group about it? That's gossip. You want to talk about it with your neighbor? That's gossip. You want to come to the person who's responsible for the spiritual well-being of those two people? That's not gossip. That's loving concern. And now I can go to these people and say, hey, some folks have come to me because they love you and they love this church and sit, they've seen some things that aren't on the up and up. Would you help me to help you to get that back on track? That's not gossip. That's loving Jesus' church. And that's loving your brother and sister who are caught up in sin. That's love. That's not gossip. That's helpful. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good fruit, that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So if we're talking trash on people, if we speak evil of someone, we have to ask the question, why? Why do I feel the need to be caught up in what's going on with all these other people? Why do I feel the need to be caught up in other people's business? Why do I scroll Facebook looking to see who people are friends with and who they're tagged with and who's not friends with somebody anymore on social media and how somebody unfollowed somebody the other day on Instagram? Oh no, what does that mean? Don't get involved in that nonsense. Live for Jesus. And, and let me just tell you, I have enough trouble making it through my to-do list in a given week. If you've got so much time on your hands that you're just going to troll social media trying to figure everybody else's life out, come see me. i got some stuff you can do. i got some gravel you can shovel somewhere or some wood that you can stack or some garbage that needs to be taken out or clean the, the carpets in the auditorium. If you've got so much time on your hands that you're so involved in everybody else's life, you need to ask yourself the question, why? Why don't I even care? Why does it matter to me? What's wrong in me that I feel the need to do that? And, and again, a lot of that times when it comes down to gossip and definitely slander, it comes down to jealousy, envy, desiring what other people have, and all those things are just wretched. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 19, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. So this goes for every word that comes out of your mouth. If you want to keep your words right, you've got to keep your heart right. When people say things like, oh, I can't stop cursing using foul language. You need to work on your heart. No, oh, I can't stop you know, yelling at my kids. You need to work on your heart. Oh, my wife, she pushes my buttons and she gets all over me. Man, I just go off on her. It's not your wife's fault. Yes, it is. She pushes my buttons. Then change your buttons. I'm just going to say this. You are 100% responsible for every word that comes out of your mouth. 100%. No, this person... Uh, it's only this one person that does this to me, then that's a problem of your heart. If you want to change the words that come out of your heart, uh, come out of your mouth, you've got to change your heart first. You want to use your words to build up and encourage people rather than tear them down? Fix your heart first. You want to encourage your children instead of belittling them? Fix your heart first. You want to speak life into your marriage instead of ripping your marriage apart? Fix your heart first. You want to be kinder and minister grace to your coworkers? Fix your heart first. Well, that's really hard. I know it is. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. But I've asked God to help me to speak words of encouragement into people's lives. That look, even when I have to come to someone and rebuke them for sin that they've done wrong, I try to find something to encourage them about. I am really encouraged by the fact that you're faithful to church. That's going to pay dividends in your life down the road. I'm going to encourage you to be more faithful to church. But while I'm encouraged by this area of your life where you're doing well, I can't turn a blind eye to this one thing that I know about that's going on in your life that I'm going to ask you to really put some thought and prayer into how you make that right with God. That even when I have to confront someone with sin, I want to do it with such a, a gracious spirit that they can walk away going, wow, that dude really loves me. He really cares about me. He prays for me. I don't want to walk around like, wow, who does that guy think he is? Again, because that feeds into what James says in James chapter 4 here about judging your brother. 
Well, we can't sit in judgment of others. That's God's place alone. That's important to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about judgment. Judgment is condemnation. What you've done is a sin before God, and you're going to pay the consequences for that. That's judgment. But to simply say what you've done is a sin, that's not judgment. And so it's important that we understand the distinction between judgment and evaluation. While we can't judge, we can't evaluate and encourage those that are away from God. Hey, if you're being unkind to your wife in public, I can pull you to the side and say, hey, bro, that's a bad look for you. Don't, don't, don't do that. Use your words to encourage and build up your set an example for your kids that I don't think you want them to follow that. And I love you enough to tell you this, if that's a bad look for you, don't judge me. Who's your place to judge me? I'm not judging you. I'm evaluating what I see in light of Scripture. God will judge what happens to you and your children. That's not my place to tell you what's going to happen there. I'm just telling you what I see, and as a brother that loves you, I'm trying to encourage you. I hope to God that there are men in this church that if I step out of line and do something sinful, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical, would love me enough to pull me to the side and say, Pastor, I love you, and it hurts my heart to have to tell you this, but you were out of line in what you did. I hope to God that I have friends like that in this church. And I believe that I do. I know that I do. And I think that any man or woman who's a mature Christian would say, I desire relationships in my life where people can call me out over sinful, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical behavior. We should crave relationships like that. But you see, the carnal Christian, they shun accountability. I don't want anybody to know what's really going on because I know I'll get called out for it. I don't want to be around other Christians because they make me feel guilty because I'm not as good as them. I don't want to be around other Christians because they're going to find out what's really taking place behind the curtain here. That's what carnal Christians do, immature Christians Carnal Christians don't want to get too close to people because they might see what's taking place behind the curtain. And they might judge me. Now I get it. Now I, I really do because I've been there before. Because the devil places seeds in your, in your mind that say, if these people really knew you, they wouldn't love you. They only love you because they think that you're good like they're good. If they knew that you were bad and sinful, they wouldn't love you anymore. I get it. But please understand, that's a lie from the devil himself. I'm thankful that our church is the type of church that in our small groups on Wednesday night, a guy can say to his small group, hey, would you guys pray for me? I've been an alcoholic for the last 20 years and I've made it seven days sober by the grace of God. Would you pray for me? And his small group goes, amen, that's good. We're going to pray for you. They don't go, oh my goodness, can you believe what he just said? Seven days, is that all? That's embarrassing. Oh, I wonder what you know, his buddy thinks about that, you know? A carnal Christian's going to go home and text somebody who's not in their small group and go, can you believe that this guy confessed this tonight? Oh, so shameful, so embarrassing. Well, let me just tell you, if that ever happened, please know, your pastor's coming for you. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a threat. I said it to, to say, I love our church and I value that type of transparency so much that if you can't allow that type of love and encouragement and transparency to foster in real koinonia, biblical New Testament community, you're part of the problem, not a part of the solution. And like, I'm coming for you. That does not fly in this church. We need to be the type of church that when somebody says, hey, would you pray for me? My doctor just put me on a new depression medication this week and I'm, I'm praying to God that it works. We should be the type of church that says, amen, that's good. I'm going to pray for you on that. I'm going to check in with you in a couple weeks. Is that okay? Good. Awesome. We need to be the type of church that when somebody says, hey, pray for me. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. Hey, pray for me. I lost my temper on my kids this week. We're the type of church that says, yes, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. 
Not the type of church where people fear that type of transparency. Oh, great, what are people going to say? Are people going to judge me? Does that mean that, like, now I'm not going to ask to, to, be, to help in children's ministry because, like, I lost my temper with my kids this week. And now I'm going to have the reputation in our church of being the person who, you know, can't control their temper. No, 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 no. That's not the type of place this is. This is a place of love. This is a place of healing. This is a place where you are safe to share those type of things without fear of judgment, without fear of gossip, without fear of slander. This is a place where you can just be you, and that's okay. <laughs> Again, it's okay to be broken here because we have the source of healing, and his name is Jesus. Please understand the source of healing is not this pastor. The source of healing is not the people or this church. Your source of healing is Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And we are a family built on relationships that will help you heal together collectively as we all heal together. That's how this thing works. And please understand, if anybody tries to stand in the way of that type of healing, you're going to be called to accountability for that. 100%. Guaranteed. And again, I don't know of any problems in our church at this point right now, but if I become made aware of those things, I promise you, I'm going to be on top of it. That's my obligation to you as a church body. That's an obligation to Jesus Christ as the chief shepherd of this church. For us to maintain that spirit of unity here. Gossip is evidence of an immature Christian. When you talk about other people's problems behind their back and you're not part of the solution, you have outed yourself as an immature baby Christian. My wife and I had, had really just begun walking with Jesus 20-something years ago. Probably about, I don't know, maybe 21, 22 years ago now. And we were tr really trying our best just to, to, we didn't know a whole lot, but what we did, we were trying to be faithful with it. We had uh, decided way outside, like way outside of our comfort zone. Like if our comfort zone is here, like 180 miles that way was where we were the night where we decided we're going to go on outreach with our church. And this was like really simple outreach. This was go to people's houses that have already been to our church, take a plate of cookies and just be nice. <laughs> like that was way out of our comfort zone. But we decided if that's what God wants us to do, we want to be obedient to do that. And we did it. Baby Christians don't know a lot about anything. We're just trying to be obedient with what we know. My wife gets partnered up with another lady. And... They get in the car and they go visit a couple of people and I get partnered up with the, the lady's husband. We go out and visit a couple of people and then we meet back at the church. And we get back in the car and my wife just starts crying. And I was like, what is going on? She was just like, I am so discouraged. I said, what happened? And she said, the entire time I was out with this other lady in the church, she's like running down the lady who sung a special last week saying it was terrible and she doesn't have a voice and she can't sing. I said, well, maybe she's just like, a musician. And she like, then she started talking about the pastor and started saying things about the pastor. And she started talking about the pastor's wife and saying things about the pastor's wife. And I was just like, well, what did you do? And she was like, I froze. I didn't know what to do. And I said, did you say anything? And she goes, I didn't. She goes, like, she didn't let me get a word in edgewise. I said, did you nod along? Did you agree? And she goes, I didn't, 100%. She goes, I was just praying for wisdom. And she goes, I had nothing. And she goes, but I was just like frozen. She goes, and she went through like six or seven people in our church and just said awful, ugly things about them. And she was just like, I didn't know what to do. And again, mind you, I'm baby, baby Christian myself. And I said, you got to pull her to the side and, and tell her that's not okay. You, you got to pull her to the side and say, hey, I don't know why you shared those things with me, but you can't talk like that. And if you got a problem with these people, you got to go talk to them. And she was just like, so like, I've got to like talk to her now? I go, yeah. And she was like, this isn't even my fault. Like, I didn't even do anything. I go, no, no, no. I know. And again, mind you, we're people who've been walking with Jesus for like all of like 18 months at this point. I was like, I know, I know you didn't do anything wrong, but you got to get with her and show her where she was wrong. She was just like, okay. And so 
the next service was a Wednesday night service, and she said, hey, can I talk to you over here in the Sunday school classroom for a bit? And she said, sure. And so she went over there, and she was just like, hey, I felt really uncomfortable. I think what you did crossed the line into gossip, and if you've got a problem with all these people in the church, you need to talk to them, not me. And I felt super uncomfortable, and I've just been praying for you. I've been praying for our church and praying for wisdom. And she said, Gal, she was talking with and started crying, and she apologized, and said so she's been going through a lot, and she needs somebody to vent to, and she didn't do it in a Christian way, and what she did was gossip, and she was sorry, and they prayed together, and that was kind of the end of it. And I asked Angel, how'd it go? She's like, I think it went okay. Good. Man, anything happened after that? Nope. No lie. Fifteen years later, Angela crosses the path of a lady that she went on outreach with that night. And she told her, one of the things that you did when you called me out for my gossip was one of the most helpful things that anybody has ever done for me as a Christian. She goes, that stuck with me. Every time I hear gossip now, I shut it down. And every time I've ever had a problem with somebody, the first thing I do is I go to that person and make it right. She goes, you changed my life with that conversation. I thought to myself, it really is just that easy. Hey, knock it off. Christians don't talk like that. I'm not going to hear that, and I don't want to hear that from you ever again. And a conversation like that can literally change somebody's life. I know it helped our church at the time. I know it helped her relationship with that woman who she confronted because, again, they, they were both at the time very immature Christians that really wanted to grow and please God with their lives. And gossip is just something that immature Christians are involved with. When we talk about slander, slander is evidence of a carnal, sinful Christian with a wicked heart who has a desire to talk trash on people to hurt their name, to be willing to make up lies or mischaracterize them or tell half-truths in a way to cast somebody in a negative light. Again, in the history of our church, I've seen that happen one time, and man, I, I got it like a, like a surgeon with a scalpel. Like, I'm going to cut this, and it's either gone or it's going to be healed, but you will not continue to do that here. Because again, this is just wicked, vile desire to hurt other people purposely. Our response to Christians facing difficulty should be compassion, not glee. If you know of a brother or sister in our church that's going through a difficult time, don't sit around with another Christian and laugh about it or make jokes about it or talk trash on them. You should be compassionate and pray. You should offer a helping hand. If you know church, somebody in our church whose marriage is struggling, you shouldn't laugh about it and talk about it with other people. You should pray for them. You should encourage them. You should pray with them. Our response should never be like, ha-ha, they got what's coming to them. What? Oh, yeah, of course that happened. That happened with their last marriage. Ha-ha-ha. Yeah, of course he does that, you know? Because of X, Y, Z. Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, he's, you know, interested in other women, and he's been struggling with pornography for years. Didn't you know that? No. Heavens, no. That's why, again, I think in the context of this, no, we're not going to have joy at other people's expense. Go back up one verses, one verse. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy be turned to heaviness. If there's hurt in our church, would you have a heavy heart for that? Not make the problem bigger? And again, I'm not talking about this trying to... Understand this. This is me as your pastor. If I know that there's a problem with gossip in our church, I'm not going to spend an hour talking to everybody here in the church in general terms, that somebody needs to deal with gossip out there somewhere. Look, if I know that you've got a problem with gossip, I'm going to grab you and I'm going to walk you out to the atrium and we're going to talk about it tonight. So this is not me trying to deal with some problem by trying to avoid direct conflict or something like that. If there's a problem, we're going to solve it immediately. This is not, this is not I know there's a problem in our church and this is me trying to deal with it. This is like, we're never going to have this problem in our church. And if we do, you'll understand why I'm coming with, to you to deal with it right away. Does that make sense? I have, I have absolutely no respect for pastors who use the pulpit to try to fix problems out there instead of just talking with people in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. 
It's funny, sometimes people say, well, Pastor, I felt like tonight's message was directed straight at me. <laughs> First of all, the Holy Spirit has the ability to do that. I don't have to do it. And I always tell people, if the shoe fits, wear it. Okay? But secondly, are you so arrogant to think that I would set aside an hour of my time to talk to you directly? You're not that important. And if I had a problem with you, I'd come talk to you directly. So if the Holy Spirit does it, man, and the shoe fits, wear it. But please understand, I, I don't use the pulpit here to talk to you directly. I try to help our church grow together collectively as a body, as a family. And so tonight's message is not like, oh, there's a problem in our church, and this is how I'm going to deal with it by talking in general terms to people that it might possibly apply to. No, no, no. I'm just making sure that we never get to this point. And I'm asking you to check your heart. If you're involved in gossip that's unbeknownst to me, or if you have a heart or a desire to slander or put people down, that you stop first before you wreck this church and check your own heart. Because who we call has a zero tolerance policy on gossip and slander. Absolutely not, under no circumstances whatsoever. We've got enough problems to face fighting this world fighting our culture, protecting our children, protecting the gospel, standing for truth, preaching against sin without us self-destructing by catty, immature, junior high behavior amongst Christians. Uh Uh-uh. No, sir, no how. Our enemy is the world, the flesh, the devil not each other. We're not going to self-destruct. We're going to fight for the sake of the gospel. We're going to engage our culture. And understand this, we got to be really clear who our enemy is. Our enemy is not the guy in the cubicle next to you that doesn't believe in Jesus. He's not our enemy. Believe it or not, our enemies are not people that you know that attend false preaching or false teaching churches. Our enemies are not cults like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Our enemies are the devil and the, the demons of darkness that perpetrate lies and untruths. That's our, that's our enemy. Don't go to your work tomorrow and fight with your coworker about religion. He's not your enemy. The devil is. Well, he's involved in false teaching religion, and he's believed the lie of the devil. He's not your enemy. Our enemy are not other Christians. These should be our friends. These are our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're fighting the same battle together. Don't turn on one another. And again, please understand, if you feel the need to be involved in everybody's business and, and talk trash on other people, you're welcome to do that. You just can't do it here. Go be a cancer somewhere else. Go rip somebody else's church apart. Hey, maybe you should like go to a false teaching church. I'll give you a list of about a dozen. Maybe you can tear them apart. That'd be great. Maybe you could split the Jehovah's Witnesses. That'd be awesome. Not Jesus' church. Uh-uh. Not on my watch. Oh, good, we got a pastor who's concerned about the integrity and unity of our church. No, 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 this is a a job for every Christian to maintain the unity that we have in this church. I can't do it on my own. One of the things that that has been so beautiful about who we call a, uh, we're still a really young church, we we turned nine this October, but we always had a spirit of unity We've never had these people who don't like those people or these people who left this small group because they didn't like this couple over here. Some people sit over here because they don't like the people over there. Never, ever. And let me just tell you this. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens by love for Jesus, love for one another, and a commitment to unity. It doesn't happen by accident because this church is made up of a bunch of sinners. And the only way that we can make sure that we maintain that unity is to walk with Jesus. And so I would encourage you tonight, examine your own heart. God, would you show me if there's anything wrong in my heart? If there's somebody in this church that you have something against, here's what the Bible says. Get this. Don't put a dollar in the offering plate. Don't offer up a word of prayer. 
Don't even think about walking out the back door until you first go to your brother and make things right. That's what, that's what Jesus himself said. And so again, I don't know of any problems in this church, but if there is, tonight's the night to fix it. We need to think about the words that we use. Do they build up? Do they encourage? We need to, again, protect unity. I hear, if I hear something, man, I'm going to shut it down. If there's something that the pastor needs to know, it's not being a tattletale. It's loving Jesus' church enough to say, hey, there's some unhealthy things going on in the body that people need help. So I would encourage you, love Jesus' church, love unity. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ enough to build them up and not tear them down with your words. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.